Cairo, Seattle. It's time to get schooled with a professor, John Clayton. And welcome to Schooled with a Professor. Wanted to get in touch with Andrew Brand from MMQB and also the Business of Sports podcast to really try to dig deep and go into a good session here on Schooled with uh, what's going to happen with the salary cap, you know, how that can work out, what's that, how that's going to affect contract negotiations because, you know, certainly with the likelihood that uh, maybe at the very best you could have 50% capacity, but in a lot of cases you may not have anybody in the stands that the NFL is going to lose maybe, you know, It'll end up being less, but $5.5 billion of uh, revenue. So, Andrew, and, and of course, we, we go into your uh, agent's mind, your former cap mind and all that stuff to see how the adjustments are going to be and what the NFL can try to do, you know, coming up next year with the cap uh, in a little bit of a different circumstance. Yeah, I mean, everybody's trying to figure out what is this going to mean financially. And as we've been talking about, John, the NFL is the luckiest league by far. I mean, we're talking about basketball and hockey and baseball in this frenzied state. Like, are we going to happen? we got to go now because the, the window's open and it's going to close by the fall. The NFL, they can just sit back and watch and wait and see what happens and see what happens with treatment and testing and tracing and fans or no fans or how many fans or how you social distance. It's it's all there for the NFL. Just the timing has been so fortunate. And they've, as we know, they've gone ahead with free agency. They've gone ahead with the draft. They've gone ahead with the schedule release. Sure, there's a virtual offseason versus mini camps, but that's not much of a disruption at all. And so now they can just watch. And it's hard to forecast revenues because we just don't know. Baseball's going through it now, where you look at a baseball team, and the average is really about 40%. 40% of team revenues dedicated to game day. That's tickets, that's merchandise, sales, sponsor activations, parking concessions, 40%. The NFL is much lower, and people have ventured guesses anywhere from 15 to 25%. So if a team's were, you know, getting $400 million of revenues a year, could be you know, 75 to 100 of that is due to game day, which is, again, tickets, parking, concessions. So if you put it at $15 billion at 20%, you know, that's $3 billion. At 25%, it's more. But that's basically what we're talking about. But that's with no fans. So as we start layering in and hearing about 20,000 fans and 15,000 fans and maybe 30,000 fans, then maybe it's a diminution of revenues in the 10% range or the 8% range. So all of this is speculative, but they're not going to be in the baseball situation. No, because, I mean, in the baseball situation, they're projecting with no uh, fans in the stands and all that stuff, what a $4 billion loss, and they're a $10 billion business. Right. And so that takes them down to six. And really, when you base it on this year's cap projections, you know, this was supposed to be about a $17 billion uh, revenue base. And if you take, you know, even 5.5, which would be considered possibly the max, you know, what you're looking at yeah. is that they're 12.5. That still doubles what would be there for baseball. Yeah, and again, baseball is in this frenzied state right now. Just to update everyone, you know, we're here on June 11th. We don't know if there's going to be baseball. 
And, and the thing about that is let this sink in. If we don't have baseball, it's not going to be because they couldn't get the health and safety thing worked out. It's going to be economics. And the players thought they had a deal in March that was prorated. The owner said that's not prorated, only prorated with fans. And I'm a lawyer. I read the language, and you could argue both ways about that language. So the bottom line is the owners have a number. Like you said, they have a number. And they're offering the players that number in three different ways, you know, a revenue-sharing way, a prorated way with much less games, like 50 games, or some kind of mix where it's prorated 50%, but the prorated goes up to like 75% with playoffs. But basically, they're not going to go above that number. And the players are trying every which way to get above it. And, and again, you know my saying, deadline spur action. I'm not mm-hmm. sure when that hard deadline is, but it's certainly coming up soon. Well, let's see just the impact of, because, I mean, it's safe to say there's going to be losses of revenue in the National Football League. The Leica, and, of course, yeah. they were pretty much thinking that with the new TV contracts that they could probably have a cap that would go up to about $220 million next year. And my, my read on it is, you know, they can still, once they get the TV contracts done, they can, you know, move, they can, they can flatten the cap as far as, you know, moving some money from future years and using it in. So, I mean, just based on what you're hearing, what you're thinking, and what you're projecting, I mean, where do you think the cap could be next year? I saw a report from Ian Rappaport that it could be $40 million below whatever it was projected to be. So if it was basically 200 this year, you know, say it was projected to be 212, 215 next year, and then you take off 40, it's bad down now to 175, uh, 170. You know, I don't know. I, I think that is a projection, I think, with zero fans. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as I've written and talked about, I said, well, the NFL and NFLPA, I would think, are going to get ahead of this, where the NFL goes to the NFLPA and says, do you really want your cap to go down from one year to the next, which has never happened? And I'm sure they'd say no. And then they talk about smoothing, which means bringing the 2020 cap down before we enter the season so that the 2021 cap is somehow higher than the 2020 cap, even with this diminution of revenues. I think, you know, the NFLPA and NFL are going to have baseball-like discussions. They're not going to be as hard as baseball because of the baseball losses, but I just think that's on the way. Yeah, but that's the one thing is that uh, when I saw that $40 million and, you know, we, we both probably spend too much attention studying the economics yeah. of sports, but that's what we do. And that's what we love doing is that it's like, there's no way there's going to be a $40 million drop because again, <clears throat> there's still so much money that's going to be coming in, in the future and all that stuff that they can level it off to a certain degree. Like, I mean, I don't know. Here's one thought that uh, seems to be floating around, which I don't know if the players will go for at all. You know, one of the things that helped sell this deal was taking the base salaries up so much. Like for example, you know, the, a 495, thousand dollar rookie in in uh, low salary from 2019 all, went all the way up to 610 i mean could the players accept you know maybe taking a little less base pay could that be a possibility to you know, leveling it out and you know trading it out so that they can try to keep the cap near where it is right now yeah i mean the background of all this is kind of the, the elephant that you and i haven't brought up yet because 
on the day that this pandemic hit, it's unbelievable. March, I think, 11th, the NFL announced the PA signed an 11-year agreement. You know, it's like, oh, my God, what about timing? And I say that in a lot of ways because what, you know, what if they didn't sign it, which I was against the players signing it. I was very vocal that I thought it was not, not sufficient compensation for giving up that 17th game. But my point here is that they probably thought they wouldn't be dealing with each other for 10 years. And now they're dealing with each other like 10 weeks later. And that's what we're dealing with. And I think they've got to get in front of this because nobody wants a, uh, a lesser deal. But those are the kind of things you're talking about, John, where they can lower some bases. Are the vets, high-paid guys, going to give up money? You know, this was the, the, the narrative about the CBA was – you know, the Aaron Rodgerses and the J.J. Watts and the Richard Shermans that were against the deal were somehow, you know, dividing. But it wasn't that. I, You know, when you have a, a ratification vote that's only 30 votes apart, you've got a 1,000 players against it. So it's not just the stars. So we'll see how this is with a, with a half a population group already unhappy with the CBA – We'll see where this goes. Yeah, but of course, I mean, they, the guys that are making the money pretty much, unless they have the minimum salary, wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be affected by that if they you know, lower some of the the lower end bases. But you know, you bring up the the thought as far as okay, uh, what if they hadn't taken the deal? As it turns out, because you know, 1.9 billion dollars of contracts were given away in unrestricted free agency, and so uh, and now you you know, so enough players were able to make enough money. That uh, that tended to work out, and now of course you know everybody's got the uh, the rookie deals coming in, uh, even though that's been slow with only fifty nine signing. But what I can see happening is that they can find a way to keep everything near the uh, one hundred and ninety eight point two if they if they can be creative. Yeah, I think that's right. You know, I think that I do bring up that point again about next year. Because who knows what's going to happen with the virus, but it does seem like there's going to be less revenues. And less revenues point to a lower cap than projected, and that lower cap than projected may well be lower than the 198 this year. Now, if they don't, if they don't really concern themselves with optics, you know, it seemed like optics was a big deal 10 years ago when they did that deal based on, after the Redskins and Cowboys sort of went above the secret cap. Uh, they did that deal to smooth it out, you know, I think that's a concern for the NFLPA of going down next year. So I don't know if they're going to do some pre-smoothing or not. Yeah, but at least you know that they're, they're going to be together for 10, 10, 11 years. So it's like, uh, yeah. you know, that they, they still have the ability to try to figure that out. Because, again, you, you would figure, even though that uh, DeMora Smith said that he thinks there's a, a number of 10, 6 to 7 uh, chance that they're would be a season, not putting it at 100%, but you'd have to think that in the end, uh, you know, the players are going to want to be in there because, again, there's the money for them. Yeah, and I'm seeing reports now that we haven't even talked about. This health issue is not going to go away, and some players react differently than others. I've had players reach out to me on Twitter. I won't name them, saying, if they say we're going, do I have to play? And now I saw a report from Adrian Wojnarowski, a lot of NBA players are asking that question. 
So even if the, the season is, is a full go, you know, are these players going to be mandated to play? Uh, you know, we hear Von Miller, who's young and healthy and strong, who had the disease, say his lungs are still not up to speed. And we're talking about older, play, older coaches, trainers, equipment guys, officials, people on the sidelines, security. There's a lot, to, a lot to get through this. I mean, listen, no league wants to shut down, obviously, because of economics. But the health and safety thing is really going to be tough, tougher in football mm-hmm. than any other sport, any other sport. And, you know, just one little thing, I saw the thing this week about the locker rooms being distanced. Well, that may work with the home locker room, but have you seen visiting locker rooms? No. I mean... <laughs> Even at Lambeau Field, when I was part of the design, I, and we said, well, what about visitors' locker room? And the consensus was, well, we get screwed every visitors' locker room we go to, so we're going to do the same. You know, basically make it tiny. And now that's going to haunt teams. I don't know how they're going to distance visiting locker rooms. No, it's it's not going to be easy. That's why you kind of wonder. <clears throat> there's already the, the very strong likelihood that uh, the preseason is going to be shortened from 40 uh, four games to uh, two, and I still wonder if there's going to be the two because, again, you know, if you're going to be going on a road trip, because you know, in a regular season, you're only going to be taking you know 53 players, and that'll be you know that's it, and so that can be managed. But 90 players in a locker room, that's going to be impossible. I think there's going to be you know this is what we're hearing about the NBA too. There's going to be less people on road trips now. Players, you can only go so little, 53 or maybe even 48 or whatever. But this sort of excess that we've had on road trips, I was part of. You know, I know that how many people go on road trips beyond the players. Uh, I think that'll be parsed. I really do. And sidelines. I mean, the sidelines are just full of people. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. one person that we're not talking about is going to maybe the most important player person in these teams is the chief inspection disease or whatever it's called, infectious disease specialists that are all being hired right now, they're going to be key people in all this. Let's put on your Green Bay Packer cap uh, cap on. And so now, you know, half the league has quarterbacks making, you know, $21 million or more, some as much as 35. And so how, if the cap stays flat or goes down a little bit, not the 40 million or anything like that, does any deal get done on a contract extension? You mean the big names? The big, big names, deals? yeah. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, teams almost have, if I'm putting on my Packers hat and I had a big player like a Rodgers coming up, you know, then you're talking about to the agent, we just got to wait. You know, we just got to see where this goes. Because if we're talking about a diminished cap next year and – I'm sure the agent, putting on the agent hat, would say, well, we'll bonus it out, we'll keep the cap low in the first couple of years. I personally don't like those kind of deals because then you blow up the cap later, and if some things don't work out, which is going to happen with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, ironically, you're taking on this massive cap hit, and you'd rather contain more of the cap early in the contract. So, yeah, I can see that discussion going on. Um Teams are going to be a little hesitant right now, and you're seeing it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, have we seen a big? Have we seen a big extension? I mean, holiday? the only, the only I, I can't think of an extension, and I could be just missing one or two since Christian McCaffrey got the sixteen million dollar a year deal in Carolina. I don't think there's really been anything after that. Well, there was the trade and sign with DeForest Buckner. Right, right, uh, right. Yeah, that's a huge deal, and yeah, but of course that was that was at the beginning of uh, free agency. So yeah, well, yeah, yeah, so yeah. But I'm thinking about the the latest one. Maybe even McCaffrey might have been it, and that and that of course brings up the other ideas. Like now you're going to be more value judgments at positions. For example, we saw this week that Dalvin Cook, you know, he wants 13 million, and then he makes this stupid statement that he was going to hold out, not knowing that on the CBA, if you miss one day of training camp and you're not a vested vet. Uh, uh, you, you you now lose a year toward free agency, and then he's a restricted free agent next year. Well, I would hope he knew that from his agent. You know, <laughs> but uh, but you're right, and this brings up the conversation about running backs too. They're always are already disadvantaged by the three year draft eligibility rule because their highest productive years are during that time, and then of course their early years uh, are their most productive. I thought McCaffrey was an outlier, and I didn't know if any running back would get a deal like him again. Even Barkley, you know, we got to see where he is in a couple of years. But we'll find out, and uh, I guess I would say right now I'd be shocked if Dalvin Cook uh, sits out. Would you agree with me that, now again, the 217 running back draft was one of the best we've seen because there's uh, at least 10 running backs that's had 1,000-yard seasons you know, from that 217 draft. And, of course, McCaffrey, of course, being the star of the group, I would contend that, you know, with so many guys there, you know, like 10 guys all up at the same time that, uh, and of course, I I include Leonard Fournette, who they're not going to probably bring back next year, that you have all these guys there and they water things down to a point where I don't know if any of these running backs will get above $10 million a year. Yeah, I mean, you go back to my team, um, Aaron Jones, you know, is right there with McCaffrey for touchdowns this year. And what do the Packers do? They draft a running back mm-hmm. high in the second round. Um, you know, maybe preparing for a loss of Aaron Jones instead of preparing to pay him huge money. Now, they may end up doing both, you know, keeping him at a high number and keeping A.J. Dillon behind him. But this is what happens to that position. It's very replaceable. Um, you see every year low-round picks do well in, in early years. But Let's be real. The Frank Gores and Curtis Martins of the world, Emmett Smith, are true outliers. And uh, I, as a team guy, would have hesitation paying a running back. Certainly a third contract, but even a second contract, I'd have to really think hard about it. How do you think Kansas City and Houston can handle their quarterback situation for the team? particularly now? Again, it's not a normal year because again, you figure at the very best they're going to have a flat cap uh, for next year, and they probably will yeah. be lower. But it's like, how do you do deals for Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson? Yeah, those were the examples that came to mind when you were asking about the the, the challenges this year, not knowing what's next year and the flat cap, um, those are the two that came to mind, like how are teams dealing with that right now. Maybe those two are outliers where, like McCaffrey, they just like, we're going to get this done, we're going to throw a ton of money at these guys to get them to lock in. But the irony here to me, and again, I'm speaking as an agent here, 
these guys are really better off by waiting. And I know people are going to say, what if they get injured? I don't think that's going to be a problem. Uh, Watson's already been injured. Not Mm -hmm. an issue. I just think the closer they get to free agency, the more leverage they have. And they're both, what, two years away. Um, So that means the Texans and Chiefs have two years of contract control plus franchise tags. So, you know, the fact that Prescott waited has helped him considerably. Now, maybe he only waited because he didn't get what he thought was a good offer. But now he's negotiating from a level starting at twenty-five, thirty a year, rather than negotiating from seven hundred thousand a year level starting point last year, and that's the same with these guys. You know, now if they're negotiating with their their start point at like one point five million dollars, and it's hard to sort of get to the level that these other guys are when they start so low. Andrew Brandt, great stuff. And, of course, you can catch him on MMQB, also the Business of Sports podcast. And what other things can they keep in touch on with you? Yeah, I mean, Business Sports podcast has taken a turn in the past couple weeks, uh, obviously with what's going on in the country, talking about race issues, race in sports. I had the thoughtful Howard Bryant from ESPN on this week just talking about all those issues and and wrote about it similarly, a column uh, on... The SI, MMQB. So, you know, I realize what's going on in this country is sort of beyond sports, so we've taken a, a different turn the past couple of weeks. And, of course, I have a Patreon site, too, to uh, get more access from me at patreon.andrewbrand. Andrew, thank you for no- joining us on School with the Professor. Thanks, John. And that does it for this week's podcast. In between episodes, you can follow me on Twitter at Clayton ESPN. If you enjoy these weekly one-on-one conversations, consider leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to the show. Thanks for listening. See you next time on Schooled with the Professor.